Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram, Aaron underscore Dugan. Make sure it's the right Instagram. Okay. Do you want to tell them? Aaron underscore Dugan. Yeah, I know. Make sure it's Aaron underscore Dugan. Uh, You know, we don't need it. Just Aaron underscore Dugan. There's a lot of bad people out there in the world, Aaron. See someone with an OnlyFans link in their bio? It is not me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, on we go. I I could take that a lot of different directions, and I don't think you want me to. um, And that will make everybody listening uncomfortable. Because you know what we really need to talk about? It is Florida week. It's Florida week. And I say that as a person sitting in Tennessee, in Nashville, where it is 97 degrees today and this week, hotter than hell. And we, got shit. A, and we got a whole lot of stuff to discuss. Vandy hit the over. Come on down, new quarterback A.J. Swan. Florida and Tennessee, some crazy shit is about to happen. I promise you a question about the Georgia Bulldogs. Are they actually better than they were last year? We'll dive into that. Take a victory lap on South Carolina, which sounds like a bad thing, but you know it just is what it is. Uh, we're in the content world, Aaron. We're allowed to take victory laps, and we get things right. Uh, Texas A&M comes back, gets a big win over Miami. They now have to follow that up with a game against Arkansas. Arkansas struggles against Missouri State, but puts them away. Now they get a, they get their a, a really big test with A&M. So we got a lot of stuff to discuss right. with the Aggies and the Razorbacks. We got LSU and Mississippi State. We learned a whole lot. The train wreck that is the Auburn Tigers. And oh, by the way, Adam Sparks from the Knoxville News Sentinel is going to join us later on to tell us exactly what in God's name is happening in the 865 this weekend. So a lot it's of stuff a big today. week. Lots of stuff. It's fun. Um, are you, you going to make it to the game? Uh, I am not. This was one of the first times in my professional career that I've almost I've thought about taking my daughter. Like I've thought about it. She turned six in a couple of weeks. I'm like, God, this would be a good one to go to. And you want to know why I didn't? Why? Because crazy shit's about to pop off in Knoxville. The, the, people are going to burn things and turn over cop cars. It does not matter if Tennessee wins. It does not matter if Tennessee loses. Whatever happens on Saturday, some nonsense is going down. And yep. I, the only reason I say this, Aaron, is because I've been around this program, this fan base, this alumni base, my friends, the media. I've been in the state for 25 years, and I can feel it in my bones. My spidey senses are off the charts right now. With something is going to happen. I don't know what. I feel I feel, I feel like Rumsfeld, I feel like Rumsfeld or Cheney. Like, I don't know what, I don't know where, I don't know how it's gonna happen, <laughs> but it's gonna be terrible. <laughs> you are giving vibes. Um, like what do you think? You just you think shit's gonna get burned or something? Like, if they win, the mouse's ear is going up in flames. Okay. And if any and if anybody from Knoxville knows what I'm talking about, then you know what I'm talking. If you know you, then yeah. you know. Uh, yeah. But I like if something is going to burn to the ground, like I don't know what I, 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 I could see the sun sphere like rolling down the hill and into the into the river if they if they lose because people are looting. Like, I just think some Tennessee fans have been mature and calm for like 18 months. And it feels like a volcano. Like, I feel like the guy in the movie that's like the end of days, you know, those movies where like mm-hmm. the end, like the end of time is coming or like some sort of massive climate crisis is about to happen. And there's one scientist who's running around the room going like, guys, it's happening. It's happening. It's coming. It's coming. And no one listens to him. That's how I feel this week. And well, good thing you won't be there. Right. That's why I'm not taking my kid. I'm like mm-hmm. batting, batting down the hatches, get the straight jackets out, call the police. Some shit's going down. Do you feel it? I do. I think that's a long time for Vols fans to be calm and reasonable. <sighs> Tennessee's record. There's a shelf life on that for sure. Yeah, right. They're, they're, Tennessee's record in the last 15 years against its top two rivals, Alabama and Florida, is 1-29. and 29. <laughs> Damn. I'm, I'm sorry. That will put anyone into therapy. 1-29. and 29. Wow. I did not know that stat. That is... Wasn't that a testament? I mean... How do you feel about it as a Tennessee? If you can be a Tennessee fan for a second, how <laughs> that do you wasn't f- enough. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. You want more? You want more? I want to know if Tennessee pulls it off. Because to, to me, I feel they, it, sh- it, sh- they should. I, 
So if you are logic, if you are looking at this game logically, Tennessee has the better quarterback, more more consistent quarterback. Yeah. The more the more developed offense, the more developed passing game. They are at home. They are a ten point favorite. They have played better football the last three weeks. Florida, you know, basically two bad snaps and they win a game against South Florida. They probably shouldn't. You know, they they could have lost that game very easily. Maybe should yep. have lost that game very easily. Did not play particularly well. Every like first year head coach for Billy Napier, like every single thing says Tennessee, the pressure they got on the quarterback against Pittsburgh. And and again, we'll talk a lot about the game with Adam Sparks coming up a little bit later on. But like to your point, every logical, reasonable, rational brain synopsis tells you that Tennessee should win the football game, which is why this brings us to the other half of the, the equation, which is the irrational. Okay. Checkerboard Nealon doesn't win when they do checkerboard Nealon. Peyton Manning's in town. They don't win when Peyton Manning's in town. Stay the hell away, Peyton. Game day's in town. They don't win when game day's in town. Florida played terribly and is a 10-point underdog, so of course they're going to win. That is how Tennessee fans are thinking right now. Yeah, They are nauseous. They are nauseous this week. All the things. No, I mean, but if you really look, the um, superstition is fair because all of the things that you just said are completely true. And really all that comes back to is Tennessee has not been that good under pressure lately, which is what Peyton Manning checkerboard, lots of attention game day does. And then it's also Florida. So um, we know that Florida, you know, well, Alabama has everybody's number, but Florida has had Tennessee's for a while. But if you're looking at the game on paper and really how close of a call Florida had against USF last week, uh, I mean, it's definitely doable. I mean, you, you saw that Florida was going to, their offense did not play great. If they're going to win, they're going to have to be able to run the ball. Even USF was able to contain Anthony Richardson last week. Um, he only had, besides like a 16-yard run, he was completely limited in the air. Um, and on paper, Tennessee should also kick USF's ass if they were to play them. So, But it was a very, very close game. Obviously, you never know what's going to happen week to week. Um, but the receiving corpse is, as you know, not corpse. done a whole I like that. The, cor- the, the corpse is like a dead lot. body. Is like a dead body. Mm-hmm. That's what it is, especially in this situation. The receiving but just, corpse. <laughs> receiving corpse. Oh, my God. I did write the receiving corpse. Bitch, I did write that, didn't I? I'm like, wait. You're the Vandy grad here. You're the one with like the I'm a Dude. real big quantum physics guy. Like Can you're you the... tell I'm getting really, really, um, really morbid. <laughs> you see how I think it's gonna oh go. God. Oh God, That's a corpse. really good slip up. You need to clip that out. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I do um, feel dead on the inside sometimes. Oh, but, I see what you did there. So what are you what do you think if if Tennessee's going to pull it off, what's your biggest concern? You are, you don't have a ton besides the pressure, it sounds like. No, it's all history. You're battling your own mind. This is like, so I watch, do you watch the TV show alone? I love this TV show. Mm-mm. My wife and I watch it all the time. Uh, it's where like 10 people get put out in the middle of the wilderness all by themselves. And whoever makes it the longest wins $500,000. And you watch so much trash TV. It's no, it's but it's but it's not. It's it's incredibly intelligent, talented, thoughtful people that are going through like incredibly difficult situations where you got to figure out how to find food and water and build shelter. And these people are crazy creative. But the biggest war that those people face, men and women out there in the wilderness alone in the middle of godforsaken nowhere, Patagonia and Mongolia and the Arctic Circle and crazy shit. It's really cool show. Nine seasons. It's yourself. It's your mind. It's being alone. It's 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 the mental psychology of the situation that that screws people up. And that is where hopefully that does not manifest in the locker room. If you're a Tennessee fan, if you're a Florida fan, you are hoping that all of the vibes from the fan base just trickle into the locker room and that kids all week have been listening to this crap. And if they do, Florida will win the game. (laughs) I mean, that's it. <laughs> I do. Th- I do feel, and Josh Hypo alluded to this um, in his press conference that mentally, I think Tennessee's in a better place than they have been. He didn't say it just like that, but he was asked about sub. The wording was, um, "Current balls are they inheriting a psychological hurdle?" Is how the question was yeah. worded, and he said that he didn't believe that they are, and I really don't either i think that they're in a better place more prepared more confident than they have been and that win against pitt 
in my mind, was a testament to them being different than the Tennessee that we've been used to seeing in recent years, which is they didn't get discouraged when it got close. They are know how to win a tough, close game to a ranked opponent. Um, this is a more glued together Vols team than we've seen in a long time. And I think they will win and cover the spread. I, I listen, that is all very sound and rational and logical. And I makes know, total, but makes total sense. Defense mechanism. No, it makes total sense. And, and like, again, they fall behind early against Pittsburgh and show that they can come back. Like it, yep. it makes it, there's no argument for what you just said. There's nothing I can combat that with. Uh, Adam Sparks is going to talk about this a little bit later on. And that this is a this is like a this could be a turning point. You know, we talked about AM last week, the Miami yeah. game, a complete mm -hmm. inflection turning point in the season for the Aggies, one way or the other. This is certainly that for Tennessee. There's no question about that. I don't think if Florida loses, it doesn't change their, you know, Billy Napier's first season is still going to be his first season. It's a rebuilding year. You got to find the pieces that you want to use, in, implement your culture, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't really change Florida all that much. But and, and Adam's going to talk about this and explain it further, so I don't want to steal it from him. But it's not just that it could it's an inflection point for this season for the Vols. It could be an inflection point for the next five years mm -hmm. for Tennessee. And that is what's crazy about this. And when you start putting that level of pressure onto a group of kids, <laughs> and again, I'm not saying Josh Heupel's doing that, but like that's what the public is is doing right now. I mean, well, game day hits different too, dude. Yeah. I'm telling you, checkerboard game day. Peyton, Steve Spurrier is going to be there. This is 20 years of demons like this is there's more happening than a football game this weekend. And it's going to be so much fun. I'm here for it. No matter what happens, I want to see the sun sphere rolling down the strip and stopping at Gus's for a sandwich at the end of the at the end of the day. That's what I want to see. All right. Speaking of A&M and Arkansas, we'll get to that game coming up because uh, Arkansas and A&M very different experiences last weekend uh, before they go to Jerry World in the big parking lot in, in Arlington. But but real quickly here with Georgia, just an abusive performance against South Carolina. Couple of quick questions for you here. Is okay. Brock is Brock Bowers the best football player in America? I mean, he's way up there. They've got like a Gronk Brady like connection going on. I mean, Stetson's been able to put the ball where he wants to put it, but Brock Bowers is fun to watch. If you put Brock Bowers and Will Anderson in like an athletic machine um, that, that like in a, in a computer machine that, like, that studies at like human athleticism and like mm -hmm. what is it kinesi kinesi kinetic kinesi kinesiology is that the right you're word? talking about like sports science vibes yeah. i don't know because i'm not good at words today remember <laughs> um it's <laughs> okay. like sports science remember that show yeah yeah, they yeah used to simulate like oh this person's like hitting an elephant yes yes if you put will anderson and brock mm -hmm. bowers in the human athleticism machine i think the machine breaks I, um, I don't even I don't even think the machine could measure those two. Like it it truly is insane to watch. I mean, just what he's able to pull off. I mean, he obviously has like height and can pull can pull the ball in, but like his ability his awareness of like being able to get his second foot down on that, like one of those catches in the end zone this past weekend. Um, he had, let's see, what did I he's targeted five times on 20 routes and hauled in every one of them for a first down. Or a touchdown. <laughs> I mean, what, Shane like Beamer what? said. Shane Beamer said at his press conference that he he should be considered, uh, you know, Heisman Trophy caliber. And as a voter, he is one hundred percent near the top of my ballot right now. The, yes, and absolutely. Is, and and it is because and listen that that catch in the end zone, which is an NFL wide receiver type of catch. Yes, with a guy in your face, like he reached into Cock Commander's chest and pulled out their heart and soul, and he did it all by himself. Yeah, I mean the speed, the athletic. Like again, we're this is not new because he was great last year. But mm -hmm. my God, he's on it another looks level. Different though. But I also think, obviously, Stetson Bennett was great last year as well. No one's challenging that at this point. Although everybody tried at the beginning, but even Stetson just looks like he's just even more in a rhythm, if that's possible, and more confident. And it just his connections, like finding these guys, and it, it's not just Brock Bowers. Obviously, he has you know, Stetson Bennett's arm getting him the ball, but it's it does not take away from what he's able to do because it's wildly impressive. No, and that's the question. Like, is Georgia actually better? I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say that tongue in cheek because they lost 15 guys to the draft. But, <laughs> but I feel like, you know, that whole like we're a new team and everyone's picking Bama thing that we joked about at the beginning of the year before the season started. It seems like everybody's come around on that now and is like, look, 
this Georgia team might actually be better. The offense is even more efficient. They're more they're more creative with their tight end packages. I, you know, they're going to play Kent State this week. Whatever their their whole first two months of their schedule, as we said, was is very easy. I don't know. I don't think they're better yet. I'm not ready to say it, but I do think it's worth asking. Yeah, I, I think it's worth asking also. And you know, like you mentioned with the draft thing, five of those guys being first rounders. So, and it doesn't look like they missed a beat, which is completely unheard of. I don't know how you go from having losing that many guys, especially that many guys the first round, and you literally look like you have not even missed a step. I feel that there are – Georgia could play almost anyone in the country, and that team could have a perfect game, and Georgia could mess up several times and would pretty much still be anyone. I mean, I think someone would have to have a perfect game and George would have to mess up big time to lose to pretty much anyone with maybe a couple of exceptions. So this was a 40 to 13 game last year in George in in Athens. Yep. It was 48 to seven this year. And we know South Carolina from a roster perspective is better. Now they're a little banged up on defense, but it was on the road. It was even more dominant. Now, is that fair? You know, again, we try to tell you this is a victory lap here. I'll defend Shane Beamer in just a second, but South Carolina clearly is not what all the experts were telling you. I think we on this show, or at least I did, I don't know. I can't remember exactly where you thought they were, but the hype on South Carolina was out of control this summer. I tried Mm -hmm. to tell you all that was wrong. Now, I realize they've played Arkansas and Georgia, two of the best teams in the country, so it's not fair to judge them exclusively, but they are dead last in the SEC in yards per play on offense, 5.199th in America. They are 101st in America in yards per play on defense, 5.98. That's dead last in the SEC. They are they are the worst offensive team and the worst defensive team in the conference. Some of that, yes, is scheduling. But don't tell me that that like Georgia just beat a Power Five SEC opponent on the road without trying, and they did it 48 to seven. They they didn't even break a sweat. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's just. Is you play a team like Georgia, and this is what we're used to seeing with Alabama, that mm-hmm. has that much talent, every single deficiency. Not that we, not that most of us didn't think South Carolina had some deficiencies and definitely things that they needed to do differently and improve on. And you know, it's Shane Beamer still early, like they've got recruiting to do and all of that. But it's you play this Georgia team, and everybody that has to play for the rest of the year has seen every weakness you've got. And you're right; it didn't. It did not look hard for Georgia, and it was, um, you know, South Carolina. You saw Shane after the game; he was, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I will, def- <laughs> I will defend him on that because I think that he got a lot of flack on Twitter for like how he reacted to the. I guess it was a question. Was it a question about like quitting or something like that? And and, he said, do you think that like this, it wasn't like doubt, but he basically was like, is your locker room down on themselves? And like, have they lost faith in their something along those lines? He didn't say it like that, but Shane's like, no, you know, hell no, hell no. Oh, hell no. Why'd you ask? Yeah. Get out of here with that question. Get out of here. Hell no. Get out of here. I didn't, I didn't give him flag for doing that. It makes for a funny internet meme, but like it was not a big deal. It if wasn't. You, if you actually listen to the clip, it's not a big deal. Now, I find it funny that what's happening because Shane Beamer is constantly positive all the time that we're starting to see ev- there's new scoreboard shots where he's like cheering two arms up, two arms up, hands up, like fist pumping, like screaming, yeah, go team. And like it's 31 to seven, you know, like his team's getting beat. Now we've got like three of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is really quite, quite entertaining. Get- I thought I thought he took too much flack on, on the Internet for that one. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, let's see. What were we going to do? Well, oh, yeah, I got I got, a, I got a Stetson Bennett number for you. Okay, fast. do that. And then I have a couple Georgia numbers. So this is not like Georgia's not played like Ole Miss's schedule. Like Ole, people in Ole Miss right now are bragging about their numbers. They've got the best rushing attack. They're top two offense, top two defense, like all these statistical things about Ole Miss. And they've played absolutely nobody. I realize they beat Georgia Tech on the road pretty handily. That's an impressive win. It's a power five team, but Georgia Tech is about to fire their coach. They're terrible. And the other two teams aren't even like football teams. So I'm not sure I give Ole Miss statistical data a lot of credence right now. But Georgia has played a neutral site game against a top 15 Oregon and a road game against a power against the divisional foe. That's two of their three games. Stetson Bennett has completed 74% of his passes for 11 yards per attempt and has not thrown an interception. And oh, by the way, is running around all the time scoring touchdowns. He, he's, he's better than he was last year. The offense is better. The defense might be slightly worse, but that could mean a better Georgia all around. So yep. just want to just want to put it out there. 
there's they have won 18 straight regular season games by an average margin <laughs> of 33 points. Um, they have outscored their opponents have outscored their opponents this season 130 to 10. I did not have time to check that. I saw a friend post that's a huge Georgia fan, and I have not had time to check that. So. 130 to 10, is that what you said? I yeah. Can double, I can double check that real quick. Double check it for me. And then um, thrown for over 300 yards in five of the last six games. Thrown in the air. It's just yeah, looks, the numbers yeah, 100, are 130, 130 to 10 is about right. Yeah, that looks right. Yeah. I mean, I could. there's a whole list of these, but it's it looks on paper – you watch Ooh. it on TV and on paper, it is equally as impressive. It's honestly insane. And here's what they're going to face. Kent State, Missouri, Auburn, and Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt might be the best team in that group. I'm not even kidding. You do think Vanderbilt's not better than Auburn. You don't mean that. I mean, I hope it's, they are. It's possible. I mean, I'd, I'd yeah. You got Auburn's it. not great. Now <laughs> everybody's jumping on the bandwagon with me. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but AJ Swan steps in. You go on the road and you're an underdog and you beat. Northern Illinois handily. You've already hit the over, like we told everybody to take three. That you got three wins now. You're going into conference play. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Vanderbilt played Georgia harder than Kent State, Missouri, or Auburn. Auburn has quit. We'll talk about Auburn later. Yeah, but, but they have quit. And if anybody really thought that Auburn was going to be able to pull it back together this year, with how many issues were on the field and off the field coming about last season you just weren't totally paying attention I, you just don't fix a culture like that that quickly there's problems all the way from the top all the way to the bottom the coaching staff didn't go along with each other coaching staff didn't get along with the players players don't like harson it just yeah, was yeah. not going to work didn't matter how much talent it would have helped to have more but that team was not pinned up at all, all. Right, you, we were going to go on auburn rants later in the show and you just okay well i, I no, forgot good. your order take, take 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 a victory lap though no. AJ, AJ Swan looks very talented. Yep. Three and wins for Vanderbilt, and now their 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 reward is Alabama. We want Bama. A road trip to Tuscaloosa. <laughs> God, it's just so hey, bad. Clark Lee, progress, progress. I know. Well, in in the same in the same sense that we talked about Tennessee and what's encouraging, although Tennessee and Vanderbilt are on completely different playing fields right now, it's it's the fight, the not totally giving up. NIU scored on the first four possessions of their games. They're they're up like 28 to 14. And then Vanderbilt came back and scored 24 unanswered points, which yep. is that is that shows like the hustle and want to and not giving up factor that it's it is very hard to do when you've played like Vanderbilt has the last couple of years, but it's a very good sign. And AJ Swan looks great and I will take it. He, no he looks like a an SEC starting quarterback. I know Mike Wright's got the athleticism and they love him. But Swan looks like a, a bona fide starting quarterback in the NFL. Now I know I said that about Ken Seals, but this guy's different. Like he's bigger, stronger, four bigger, touchdowns, bigger arm. They yep. were an underdog. They went up there and won easily. Yep. It's just and just his ability. I mean, he was he snuck out of like sacks here and there. He yeah. was quick on his feet. I mean, it is it is definitely a step in the right direction for Vanderbilt because you've you've we've struggled with having anybody in that position that can get stuff done. And it is a breath of fresh air. Well, congrats to Vanderbilt. Sorry to Vanderbilt for getting Bama, um, South Carolina thoughts some T's and P's to South Carolina, uh, of course, as well. We'll get to Auburn in a second, but, uh, I think Georgia, you know, Georgia might be better. So again, don't Vanderbilt might give them the toughest run in the next four weeks. And that is, <clears throat> that's the problem for everyone not named Georgia is that they are going to coast into the final month of the season. Sure are. And we shall see. Um, all right. Texas A&M beats Miami. A lot of defense. We'll get to Adam Sparks coming up in a little bit from the Knox News Sentinel. He will break down the Florida-Tennessee game a little bit more in detail. Um, how to stop Anthony Richardson. Can Tennessee run the football? All that kind of stuff. Um, Texas A&M uses almost all defense. They switch quarterbacks to Mac jo Max Johnson. The offense doesn't look particularly great. He's 10 of 20, 140 yards. Doesn't turn the football over, though, which is important. Um, but their defense... Zero, 26 total points allowed in three games. They're giving up about 100 yards rushing per game. Uh, 4.2, or excuse me, they're only running the ball for about 100 yards per game. They, they, they're giving up 4.2 yards per play on defense. This is one of the best defenses in America, and they just passed a big test against Miami. You got Arkansas, Mississippi State, Bama, the next three. I, can, they, can they make a run? Can they be a 9 or 10 win team with just defense? 
mean, I think the answer to that is is no. You'd have to sneak by in like some very close situations. I mean, you you saw that, like, which we got to give credit. Miami does have a lot of experienced guys on the O line, so it's not discrediting you know Miami at all, but just. With AM, you know, having the I'm trying to figure out how I want to say this in a way that's gonna make sense. The AM's ability or inability to get anything done on offense is not going to allow you to win nine or ten games. I don't know why that was so hard for me to get yeah, out. No, that's, it's so that, simple. That sounded perfect. <laughs> but you can't, it just it just it just won't happen. You've got to you've got to figure out a way to make plays. And the thing is, they're giving you have weapons like a chain obviously is just a freak and another one of those guys. It's just so fun to watch. But there's only so much he can do. And, you know, they're you can see them trying to give him enough space to make plays happen and like, you know, throw off defenders. Even when he's in man to man, he can figure out a way to make something happen, but it's just not enough. Things have to be working on every level of the offense. And right now your defense on the field, I'm assuming their time on the field was pretty high. I, I can look that up, but while you take it, it a stab not, at them. Yeah, it was not good against that. It was the opposite against App State. They ran only 38 plays. It was back the other direction. I thought Mario Cristobal, the Miami coach, was extraordinarily conservative. Um, sometimes I'm okay with that because that game flow was pretty low scoring and that they were going to take field goals and think they were going to get the ball back. That's fine. I think the issue with the statement, can you win with defense is that there's a lot of great quarterbacks in this conference now and on their schedule, as we've talked about for AM. Uh, you're going to play one this week in KJ Jefferson, who's just putting up insane numbers and Arkansas's balance is inc- like, they are very, very good in both phases of the game. Now they did not play great against Bobby Petrino insert, uh, Insert motorcycle accident affair joke here. Um, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. On, on family night at uh, Razorback Stadium. Um, couldn't couldn't stop Bobby P from scoring. Okay, that's it. That's my only one. Um, I, I think you're going to... The thing is, Miami does not have playmakers on the outside. Right. So they have the offensive line. They have the quarterback. But but it didn't feel like... And again, AM was down four players in the secondary, and it still did not hurt them because Miami did not have the weapons on the outside to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. I think Arkansas may have those weapons. I think Mississippi State does. I think Alabama may not have them as many as we think. For for but so if the point is, I think AM is going to win a lot of games on defense. I think they can win a lot of games on defense. I think the fact that Max Johnson did not spark offensive confidence right out of the gate, and he he threw for 50%. You know, it was seven yards per attempt. So fine, but it was a little, it just, it didn't look that much different. <laughs> I do. And that's the problem. Do you think he's the, he's the answer? I mean, he's, he's a Probably. competent player. He's like, you know, able to connect with, you know, I think he runs the offense better than Haynes King does right now because he's older and he's more right. prepared and, you know, he fits into that system a little bit better, but I don't know if it's more than that, honestly. But so. it, um, what was the final? In this game uh 17 to 9 yeah so also let we probably need to give like a little bit well ace like special teams for AM had some like you know pretty impressive moments but a lot of this had to do like it's not like AM went in and obviously based on the score won in a dominant fashion they weren't able to do that they but they did capitalize on miami's mistakes um miami only kicked was like their kicker was like two for four with a blocked field goal yeah, yeah. and all sorts of, so it, you know, even got, the score is, even the score might, might be even less indicative of really what Texas A&M is able to do because there were mistakes made left and right by Miami. To, yeah, so to me, that's the key is if Miami had weapons, because again, A&M got stops when they needed to, but if they, they, if Miami had weapons, I think the score is very different. Um, I don't, does Arkansas have those weapons? I, I think KJ Jefferson's better than Tyler Van Dyke. I think the backfield for Arkansas is better. I, I think the receiving core is better. Jadon Hazelwood's coming around. I think there's some players for Arkansas that can make more plays. Now, Arkansas is one in nine against Texas A&M since they joined the, the SEC. So it was last year, right? Which was last year. And they physically lined up and dominated that A&M team. They ran yeah. the football from the beginning of that game to the end. 
and and they dominated and AM couldn't accomplish anything on offense. And so if Arkansas's formula of pound the football, control the clock, and sort of be like a big boy version of App State, I don't know if that that to me that doesn't play well for AM in, in, in all honesty. No. And also, do we know if do we know if AM's do they get their guys back that are suspended because they're out like two DBs and lost didn't they lose a couple to targeting? One, one of them, yeah, targeting was a couple of them. So I think those guys are back. Those guys will be back. Um, but well, either doesn't it depend on what? Well, well I think it might have been like the first have... play of the third quarter. We'd have to double check that. And now we're being because then they'd have to sit out for the first half, right? Then they'd have to sit out for the first. Well, half. we're gonna not be res- we're gonna be more responsible because we're gonna figure it out right now. No, oh, we're gonna do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to well, say it was like the, I want to say it was like. Because oh. if we're talking about Arkansas and like their receiving their receiving core being a threat, we should probably know if um, Texas A&M gets their DBs back or not. Yeah, that's valid. Um, that's a valid point. Now they were safety, so I don't know how much that matters on the outside in terms of man-to-man coverage. But it it was overall. Um, I want to say it was very early in the game that Richardson went out. I want to say, and and he's okay. he's he's one of their top defensive backs. Um, I'll figure it out. Yeah, are you doing some digging right now? Yeah, I'm digging. Live research here on the pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arkansas last year in this game, 597 yards, 8.9 yards per play. Uh, Texas A&M, 4.6 yards per play, 272 yards. So Arkansas um, has had a, you know, they, they put up a bunch of numbers lately, and they, they can do it both. They can do it all different types of ways. They can do it with running weird motion. They can do it with running a bunch of different guys. They can run the quarterback. They can just do a whole lot of creative stuff on their offense, and again, physically lined up and push this A and M team around last year. So, uh, I, I, I want to say that I think A and M found something, and that the Miami win turned their season around. I just think it's a bad matchup for them against Arkansas. That's all. Yeah, I, I think you cannot give up. You give up 400 yards of offense to Arkansas if you do that, like they just did to Miami. And I think Arkansas. I just, I just think that the matchup is you know definitely falls more in arkansas's favor just with what we've seen over the course of the past couple of weeks but you can't give up they were able to give up 400 yards of offense to miami but no touchdowns that will not be the case with arkansas you're not going to see them get to the get to the red zone and get in scoring position and capitalize on that zero times it just won't happen with arkansas you have a lot less room for error i don't know what numbers i was reading i don't know why i said 8.9 yards per play that i I believe that was arkansas last week against missouri state last year 6.5 yards per play 443 yards of offense balanced though 200 rushing 246 passing so very balanced from arkansas last year in the win over a&m uh let me let me correct those numbers yeah johnson and richardson i think they're the two guys that went out and i want to say it happened in the in like the end of the first quarter or something for Richardson. So I think they're back. Did you find out so if they're back, back or not? I can't, fa- I can't find it. God, come on. Use the internet guys. I am using um, the damn internet. All right. So I got Arkansas. Who you got? I'm, I got Arkansas. Yeah. So not an, not an inflection point win for AM against Miami last week. We'll, we'll see. It's going to be, listen, it, that is a big boy game though. Physicality, line of scrimmage. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And it's really outside of Florida, Tennessee. It's the only two games that are worth watching. My, Missouri and Auburn's worth watching. Cause it's like a complete dumpster fire. And you have no clue what's going to happen. If you're gambling, I would take Missouri in the money line. Don't even worry about the point spread because Auburn's either going to win by like four touchdowns and they're going to, you know, feel whatever, some sort of like personal pride in their play, or Missouri's going to win outright. <laughs> and that's going to say, like, Eli Drinkwitz is going to be like, I don't care what was going on with Auburn. I got to win over Auburn. And he's going to use that to get an extension or a raise or something. And here's my thing with Auburn. And I know we're going to talk about LSU, Mississippi State in just a second, but I, I don't know what they're waiting for at this point. Like it, you, you got embarrassed by Penn State in every facet of the game. You were supposed to be good along the defensive line. That's your one area of strength, and they just embarrassed you along the line of scrimmage. And and, and we're and we're just celebrating the whole way. And how about this Auburn football? Don't they? Don't they? Aren't they the ones who tweet the final score from their twi- <laughs> like every time? Mm-hmm. And now and now there's like this ongoing feud with like the internet and Auburn Auburn will not tweet the final score of the game is that right for like days have they done it yet do we know I I do not know I do not know if they've done it yet yes they are known for doing that um Let me see if they let me see if they've done it let me see if I can find it <laughs> Sorry I I I'm, I'm just checking right now to see if they actually did it cuz there was a lot of talk I want to say like the barstool folks were all in on this too like hey guys tweet the final score <laughs> God 
Vandy used to do that some too, no matter what it was. Um, the Auburn, if they're going to have any hope this season, and I'm not really sure what hope looks like. I, I don't think the trajectory is, is good. They're going to have to do a better job of protecting the quarterback. Um, and also just Finley's just taking too long to throw the ball. I know he also didn't have a lot of time in certain scenarios, but oh, did you see, did you, did you see him retweeting stuff today? He was TJ Finley's like retweeting, like advanced stats saying like Auburn's quarterbacks against Penn state had the fewest time to throw the least time to throw of anybody in five years in college football or something like that. Top four. I'm like, it would behoove him to just not do TJ Finley not being subtle. <laughs> I mean, not at all. And he like he really didn't, but it's not necessarily the fact that he I mean, I know he didn't have a lot of time. I'm not criticizing him for that, but I will say you can't make careless mistakes like just throwing the ball into like just, you know, unguarded like you don't even know where it's going. I mean, they got he got picked yeah, off like that. Yeah. No, he was and bad. He was terrible. The offense is terrible. Good. Yep. What what is it that Auburn's going to accomplish by keeping Brian Harson around? Fire the guy. Put him out of his misery. Let him go get another job somewhere else and begin your search for the athletic director and the new coach. What are we waiting for? I don't know. And we've seen what happens when you sit too long and it's normally not good. That's all I'm saying. Well, but like, like, uh, what, what, honestly, like, what are they? What, they beat Missouri. Does that change your decision with Brian Harson? No, no, it doesn't. There's change not, anything, I don't right? think anything can. Do you? I mean, no, I don't think so either. Same would have to happen. And I think it would have to be multiple times of them upsetting big time teams. It's just not going to happen. Harson's not staying. No, like in no way, shape or form. So I don't know what they're doing. They, I just checked both the Auburn Tigers account and the Auburn football account as of time of taping, which is like three o'clock on Tuesday afternoon, central standard God's time. And they have not tweeted the final score yet. Auburn football, you cowards. Fire your coach and tweet the final score, you cowards. Um, <laughs> Not that I give a shit what's on Twitter. Who cares? No. But, like, but no. it is fun. It is funny. It is funny. It is. Yeah, they got they got serious problems. I don't have a whole lot else to say about that. Just 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 end this charade. Just end it. What's a charade? A charade. It's how the British folks say charade. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, Do like, you know um, you know, certain words like, like, uh, niche versus niche. Like us Americans say niche. It's got a niche audience. <laughs> That's how you know if someone's faking a British accent because they say garage and no one here uh, knows that, but it's garage. Yes. Fun fact. Okay. You, let's you, move on. You wanker. Um, all right. Uh, go to the pub. <laughs> did we have a discussion one time on the show about pubs and taverns oh, oh yeah, yeah that yeah. went awry for me let's not bring that up yeah, yeah let's not bring that up much like the auburn football program it has gone awry uh which uh, if you're in kentucky is a nice smooth way to end your friday night a nice glass of rye okay anyway we're done with this we're doing too much let's move on to lsu and mississippi state so listen the bull puppies they go down to baton rouge they're a favorite game is kind of ugly but they're in it and they're sort of in control of it they don't they do not put LSU away here's the thing that I that my observation about LSU because that win sort of saves their season a little bit it certainly saves the the perception Brian Kelly the heat gets turned down a little bit all that good stuff in Baton Rouge but like if LSU just if Jaden Daniels who still has lots of questions for me but man their fourth quarter offense <laughs> it's like if they can just figure out how to take the fourth quarter and the sense of urgency and stretch it out over three quarters LSU might be pretty good at football. How about this? They have scored six touchdowns with zero interceptions in the fourth quarter this year. Wow. They've scored they've scored nine touchdowns with two interceptions in the first three quarters combined in every quarter. So basically they are they're just a significantly better offense because I think Jaden Daniels is just running around making plays and that has helped them in a big way. They were much better in the fourth quarter than Mississippi State. I don't know. Like this is a statement win for LSU. It is a typical loss for Mississippi State. Yeah, it is. I I do think that what LSU, like you said, if they can figure out what's going on. I mean, Jaden Daniels has been able to, I guess, bail himself out of some situations and make plays with not a lot to work with at certain times. That he's been able to keep things alive and kind of, you know, make lemonades out of lemons. Is that right? Whatever. You know what I mean. Yeah, pretty but, close. Um, but I, I do I do think that Brian Kelly's um, willingness to kind of like shuffle his offensive line around and make some changes um, in order to make sure that his team is heading in the right direction is what they should be doing as him. I mean, obviously, we know that Brian Kelly has a long, very successful football history, but 
like we've talked about when we talk about Saban a lot, just the the willingness to kind of adapt and change things and try things until they work. They're not all the way there yet, but if they can really figure everything out and make sure this offensive line is working the way they want it to, and then also figure out a way to score sometime besides the last 15 minutes, uh, it's going to yep. be a better season than I think a lot of us projected for LSU, including me. I did not know what to think. Um, they've just got to, you know, kind of tie up some loose ends and then, you know, score. Mississippi State is four and six under Mike Leach when they do not throw for 300 yards. Um, <clears throat> and that includes losses to like Texas Tech, Kentucky, Texas A&M, Alabama, um, Auburn, obviously this past weekend against LSU. I, it's weird to say because I don't know exactly if it's just zone or if it's mixed coverage or exactly what it is. <clears throat> but Washington under Chris Peterson had a formula that just stopped Washington State and Mike Leach every time. And so I feel like there are just some coaches, generally defensive minds who are like sort of blue collar and creative. They just like they either just know how to stop Mike Leach air raid offense or they don't. Mm -hmm. And the guys that don't get toasted. And the guys that do, they win the game and they beat Mississippi State. And it feels like Brian Kelly and that coaching staff knew what they were doing. I agree. I think that's why people get confused and surprised by Mississippi State at times because they can they will win big out of nowhere and lose big out of nowhere and you're looking for consistency. But it's I think it comes back to exactly what you just said, which is what the where the de how the defense has planned to play them and how they actually execute that. And I think that's why it's kind of hard to predict what Mississippi State's gonna do. It has a lot a lot of times has to do with the defensive plan and not necessarily what Mississippi State right. can or can't do on offense. Because you know what Mississippi State's gonna do on offense. You kind of know what it looks like now. Right. So it's almost like if you play extremely consistent, fundamentally sound football, but then you disguise it pre-snap. Mm -hmm. That and you're just running the same play every time, so the defensive players know what they're doing. I don't know. Like again, there's just some coaches just line up, and their team stop Mike Leach, and then there's a bunch of guys that just can't do it at all. And that that's what that felt like watching that game. So I agree. big ups to to Brian Kelly and LSU because Mississippi State looked like the better team most of the first half. Like they mm -hmm. they missed on a few opportunities to put that game into a, where they could have been in more control of it. And then if you let Jaden Daniels stick around, he's just going to end up making plays in the fourth quarter. I don't think he's a great quarterback, but he he certainly knows how to play when the game's on the line. And I hope he learns how to slide because uh, he's not very large. <laughs> right. And he's taking a beating through three weeks. So we'll see. Uh, LSU gets New Mexico this week. Uh, that's pretty much automatic W there. Mississippi State hosts, hosts Bowling Green. They're like a 30-point favorite, so we'll see. Uh, Ole Miss hosts Tulsa. That one's interesting. But again, all of our picks against the spread, of course, coming up later on this week with Steven Lassen on Friday. We'll do every single pick against He crushed me last week, so yeah, I'm, glad, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I took my victory lap last week uh, yeah. because he crushed me this past week. So. Mm -hmm. I heard. Yeah. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah. Not, a, not from him because I heard from my own research. Steven oh. Lassen would never brag about that. That's true. He's not. He's a... He's a He's an honorable gentleman uh, and, a he is. and a scholar. Uh, all right. When we come back, Adam Sparks is going to preview the Florida-Tennessee game from the Knoxville New Sentinel live from the 865 when we come back right here on Fringe Element. Adam, welcome to the show. It is Florida week. The nerves are frayed. People are going insane. How are you? Welcome to the show, my friend. Uh, hey, good to be back on. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the the anxiety around Knoxville is, uh, it depends on who you talk to, but I've spent more time this week not asking more about the game, but more so asking about, like, people to rank the jinxes. You know, you've got the Checker Nealon is here. Oh, we, we always lose Checker Nealon games, or usually. Uh, you've got college game day. Ah, college game day's in town. That means we're going to lose. You've got, uh, you know, people wanting Peyton Manning not to be in town the day of the game. It's, you know, I mean, the the line for this game is like more than a touchdown. Um, as high as 10 points I've seen. It's it's never been that high since really the 90s. Um, so people are anxious and people are wondering what could go wrong more so than what could go right. And that's not every Tennessee fan, but but a lot of them. I mean, I've mentioned on the on the on the, on the pod before that uh, my wife is a season ticket holder. And for, I mean, 
during the game last week, she said she was going to throw up thinking about the Florida game <laughs> the next week. So it's uh, it, it's around here. There, there's I, no doubt about that. Look, I, my spidey senses are tingling off the charts with this. I said it last week on all the shows. Some crazy nonsense is about to go down. I don't know what. I don't know how. People are ready to burn things and turn over cop cars. I, again, Tennessee could win by 40. Tennessee could lose by 40 and everything in between. And I feel like there's an energy level that is palpable beneath the surface. And I think you just explained it pretty well because there's this anticipation and pride in the team that they haven't had in a long time. You know, it feels like everything is aligned. I don't know where the Spurrier doing the game day picks like falls on the jinx scale because I feel like that could actually work against Florida maybe. I don't know if you believe in all that stuff. But it feels like there's an energy level. Uh, and for those that don't know, like if you're a, a, a you know an Arkansas fan or a South Carolina fan, even A&M or Missouri, and don't sort of understand what this rivalry means to people, uh, you know, when I think of the CBS theme song, Adam, on, on, on CBS and on Saturdays, like I think of Fulmer versus Spurrier. Like that's the yeah. thing that comes to my mind. Now that you've been on the beat, do, do you, A, do you get the same senses that I do about what's going on in Knoxville? It sounds like you do. And then B, do you, have you sort of come to understand how big this is? Yeah, I mean, for a lot of the week or a lot of the season, people sort of say, well, George is the bigger rival. Uh, Alabama is the bigger rival. Kentucky is now the new the new old rival. And then when you get to Florida week, it, it, the truth comes out. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I do think there's something could turn in this game in that you have two you have a new coach and a new ish coach. Uh, hop on Napier and the SEC is cha- I mean you've got Texas and Oklahoma coming in in a couple years maybe three years you could change the narrative of this series because they're not gonna it's not gonna be what it is here in a few years and Tennessee could you know Hopple could win a couple of these in a row and it it changes what the last 20 years have been so I I, I think I think those are stakes that are out there um I just, yeah, I, I have the same sense of you as, yeah, the, the CBS music. I, I remember that. It's um, uh, Tennessee has this sort of thought that this isn't a, isn't as much of a rivalry because they haven't won it in a long time. But again, reality hits you the week up because yeah. the Kentucky week, people are not getting nauseous. The <laughs> Alabama week, people are not getting nauseous. They nope. just assume it's going to be a loss. You know, Georgia, really, the last couple of years, you chalk it up to a loss. In the preseason, nobody chalks this one up as a as a loss or a win. It's a let's wait and see, and and, and it's here. Yeah. Uh, when you do the schedule game for Tennessee, it's, you know, win, loss, win, vomit, win, loss, loss, win, win, win. And that's like that's how they, they do it. Um, it's funny because, like, I think about the 3-6 scheduling model. That's coming very soon, as you alluded to, with Texas and Oklahoma coming. And it wouldn't even be close for me. Florida would be the number one most protected rival for Tennessee over Alabama. I think that's because I'm 40 years old and under. Uh, Yes, I am technically 40, so I do technically fall into that 40 and under age bracket. But I think anyone over that age maybe looks at Alabama as the top rival. But I, I think it's Florida. So I think it's an interesting perspective to think more bigger picture and longer term about what this rivalry could look like over the next five to 10 years and that there could be an inflection point in this game, which leads us to the game itself. And Kentucky did a brilliant job containing Anthony Richardson, keeping him in the pocket. Tennessee did a great job of beating on Pittsburgh's quarterbacks. Is that a thing that can be replicated in this matchup? Yeah, I was trying to think of like my three keys or five keys or whatever, you know, we do for each game. And I, I, I couldn't even get to number two. It's it's containing Anthony Anthony Richardson. I mean, I think this is one of those rare situations where to flip this series around, Tennessee doesn't have to win this game. They can allow Florida to lose it. That that that's weird to say because if you've been if you've been owned in a series, you think you've got to be the aggressor, you've got to go and take it, you've got to outplay everything you've done in the past. Um, but Anthony Richardson hadn't thrown a touchdown yet this year. When people can keep him contained and make him be a quarterback in the pocket, um, he's not good. Uh, if he gets out of the pocket, he's a potential first-round pick. That's the talent he is. Um, but if you know, th- this is one of those weeks where coaches use uh, you know the football jargon like gap integrity, and we suddenly have to listen to it. 
You know, oh, that's what they're that's what they're talking about. It, you know, it's just keeping him contained, not letting him have broken plays. I think there's an inter- interesting element with Florida because it's a it's a quarterback that's at his best when he's freelancing, and it's a coach that wants structure and control. Yeah. And those two things usually don't mix well. Now they can eventually, but they have to figure out a formula and some style of communication and Gainesville to make that work. And Napier and Richardson have not got on the same page yet. That could happen in this game and it changes everything. Uh, but Tennessee's hoping that it doesn't. And Florida do- still doesn't figure out how to use it's, it's very talented. Um, but you know, a quarterback that's a liability so far more than a strength. Overall has the defense. Cause I think coming into the season, you know, I I've had a chance to like be around Theo Jackson here at, at Titans camp all through the summertime. Alante Taylor's gone. You know, they've got some nice, okay players on defense. They've got a couple of nice defensive ends that maybe are stars, but like I had a lot of questions. H- have you found any answers in three weeks? Do you think this is the week we find out the answers? Is this defense as a whole much better than we thought? Like what, what is your perspective now after three games of the overall quality of the defense for, for Tim Banks? Yeah, I mean, this is potentially the week that we get a lot of answers on this team because, yeah, the only answers that we've gotten is the Pittsburgh game, and that's that's a pretty small sample size. I think when the, the thing is with seasons like this and schedules like this, um, you sort of inherit what the storylines were a year ago, and you, you, you have to convince people that those aren't true, despite the fact they're different players and the scheme is a little different this year, but the, the storyline of last year was this was a team that could not get enough pass rush and could not get off the field on third down, and they were a little loose in their pass rush. Um, they would get over-aggressive and allow running quarterbacks to, to get out of the pocket and run. And the Pittsburgh game, none of that came true necessarily, but that's one game. Um, so I, I'm sort of in, in the jury's out on this defense. Um, it, yeah. But, it, yeah, it changed. I mean, we could come out of this game saying, well, t- Tennessee is now a complete team. They're a team that can score a ton on offense, and they're also a pretty good defense. And, and you know, that's the difference between a seven-win and seven win team last year and a nine- or ten-win team this year, whether or not that defense is good. Yeah. And, it, it yeah, it – that narrative will go one way or the other based on this game and most of the way based on how they, they deal with Anthony Richardson. And it's, it's funny, like I can already see it, all those issues from last year and I can see all the different quarterbacks doing it. Slovis, Keaton, Keaton Slovis at Pittsburgh wasn't exactly that type of player. Neither was the backup who was already like on down, down to one leg for most of the game. I, but I can see third and six, you win first down, you win second down, third and six, you don't have, a, and pick a cliche, gap integrity, stay in your lanes, et cetera, and all of a sudden Richardson is falling forward for eight yards and picking up first downs pretty routinely. So I can already I can already see it happening. Yep. Uh, but again, that is my 25 years of uh, alumni nausea coming out more than anything else. Um, on the other side, I think the offense has, if anything, shown us that they are probably even better and more dynamic because they now have a third weapon in Brew McCoy on top of Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman. We know Hooker's in complete command of the offense. I do feel like, though, Florida's biggest weakness is their depth along their defensive line. They may be able to pressure Hooker, but I think Tennessee has to be able to run the football. Utah did it extremely well in week one against Florida. Kentucky did not and had to rely on Will Levis. Can Tennessee run the football in this game and make it easier on Hendon Hooker? Yeah, I mean, I... I I usually pause before throwing out these historical stats because one year doesn't have a whole lot to do with another. But when it's a series like this, a rivalry, I think there's some some relevance. In you know, Tennessee has lost 16 of the last 17 uh, to Florida. In those 17 games, Tennessee outrushed Florida four times, and one of those was a win. There's only been four guys that have ever rushed for 100 yards in those 17 years for Tennessee. Tennessee almost never runs the ball well against Florida. Uh, regardless of the coach, the defensive front, the defensive scheme, it, it, it doesn't matter. In this game, Tennessee usually becomes one-dimensional. And when it hasn't been, it, it won in 2016. Um, t- again, small sample size, Pittsburgh, Tennessee rushed for under 100 yards. Um, Jabari Small is uh, fine. He's serviceable as a starter so far. He, he – but, you know, he's been beat up. He's been injured like he was last year. I mean, it's it's one game, but he was injured uh, in the Akron game. 
Jalen Wright is running harder, but he's still your number two back. Dylan Sampson, the freshman, has shown us something, but it's mostly been against bad teams, and he's also been injured. I mean, so you've got a beat-up running back core. You've got an offensive line that's better protecting a passer than pushing up than pushing for the run game. Um, so I've got a lot of questions there, and I, I don't think Tennessee – I think Tennessee can throw the ball a lot in this game and win but I don't think they can do it without a run game. I, they don't have to go for 100, but they've got to pop two or three plays, probably early on. If they can get the running game going in the first quarter, they can win this game throwing it for the last three. But but I don't buy the fact that they can just go out and throw the ball and, and win this one. I, I tend to agree. Do you, do you sense at all that Josh Heupel – I mean, again, they were dead last in time of possession on I – guess, I guess they were – yeah, time of possession on offense last year – leading to their defense being on the field a whole lot. Do you feel a sense that he, Josh Heupel, has learned to adjust the the lever a little bit inside the game when he knows he needs to? Obviously, Pittsburgh, again, is the only sample size in, in, terms, uh, of, yeah. in terms of pace. Yeah, yeah, somewhat. And, and I think that was going to be natural. Anyway, I think the plan all along was once he found his quarterback and he got his guys in place that he could do that. Uh, Alex Golish, the OC, has talked a lot about that, even in the offseason, about being able to punch the gas and tap the brakes a few times. And you have seen that so far. Uh, you, I mean, you've seen wrinkles that were not there last year. I mean, uh, against Akron, they brought out uh, they brought out the option game. Hinted Hooker and the freshman Dylan Sampson. Sampson scored twice on fourth down options. And I think that was that was intentional to put that on film for Florida to see and to have to prepare <laughs> for. Um, so you, you've seen wrinkles in the tempo and the play calling, um, but and Josh Hopwell has hammered this home is that they have to run the ball, and that's in that's inherent in this offense. That was at Central Florida. That's when he was at Missouri. He leans heavily on the run game in, in ways that people don't quite understand and. Um, you know, you, you can go tempo and, you know, throw the little slip screens to the outside, uh, throw it quickly, um, three-step drops and all that. But the, the real way for a tempo team to function well and be effective is to run at people that are tired. And if, if you're, you know, if you're doing that, it makes throwing the ball a whole lot easier. Do you have obviously within the puzzle of the SEC East, we've got a few pieces with South Carolina uh, being, as I told everyone, not as good as the preseason hype indicated. Uh, Kentucky obviously threw a big puzzle piece into the mix when they when they go down to Gainesville and they get a win. We'll find out another big one this weekend between these two. Georgia's very good, obviously, at football. Do you get a sense of, of a different picture in, in what the SEC East is going to look like through three weeks? Or are you still kind of is this has the order changed for you when you look around the, the division? Georgia's a clear cut one overall in the SEC. I think Alabama is is two, but not by much. I think Arkansas's three overall, um, and that leaves uh, that leaves number four, which I think right now is Tennessee. Um, Tennessee, if they win this game, has got a pretty decent case to be number three uh, in the SEC, and and. Uh, number two in the East. I, I know Kentucky's there. Um, Kentucky has an easier schedule. Kentucky has to come to Tennessee. But, I mean, this is I mean, this is really who you're asking, though, because I think Kentucky looks at the East and looks at its schedule and says, if you can win in Knoxville, you can be undefeated going to Georgia, whenever that game is, like early November or something. And there's some crazy Kentucky fans that think there's a playoff bid somewhere in there. Uh, you know, it, but, but I mean, look at their schedule. They could be like nine and zero. Oh. Um, they're not beating Georgia, and I don't think they're winning at Tennessee either. But um, Tennessee right now is the fourth best team in the SEC, I think. And if they win this game, I think there's a pretty decent yeah. argument to be to be third. Although if Arkansas beats A and M this week, they'll have a they'll have the two the two or three big wins as well. So I, I agree. Uh, I think uh, uh, Arkansas is really good. And honestly, yeah. if, if you're looking at mobility, Arkansas can make a case to be better than Alabama. I don't think they are. Oh, come on. No, 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 no. I don't think they are. But I think Arkansas is closer to Alabama right now than Alabama is to Georgia. I, and that, that, that may be fair. I think what's interesting is Arkansas and Tennessee both hosting Alabama packaged around the A&M home game. So I think that's what's going to be really interesting for Alabama. But I, I do think Kentucky's very, very good. I think there's a chance they could have one loss when they play Georgia late in November, which would lead make it a division championship game, which we've seen before, and we know how that game plays out. We've seen that movie before. Uh, but Tennessee certainly is going to be involved in all of this, and, and we know Kentucky has a tough time going to Neyland 
and winning, even when uh, Tennessee is coached by Jeremy Pruitt. So, uh, Adam, thank you so much, man. Unless you, uh, it sounds like you're about to say something there, so I don't want to well, cut you well, off. Well, I was just, I was just going to say this is this is very much a, we, we started off the uh, started this off by saying the anxiety of Tennessee. If you look at the fork in the road here, this is where the this is where all of it builds, and you know this yep. as well as I do. Of hey, this is this is an uh, unbelievable season, or this season is a train wreck, and I don't I don't think the second one's <laughs> going to happen, regardless of this game. But I'm saying the overreaction of Tennessee fans that will right. come out of this, because if I'm looking at the schedule at LSU, that's after a bye week, and then Alabama, you're, you're you know, yep. Tennessee fans are going to think five and zero, oh, and Alabama coming here. This is the chance, right? This is the chance. <laughs> but if you lose this one, uh, well, you know, you got lose three in a row, and who cares about UT Martin? And then you got to be Kentucky, and is this team even going to be bowl eligible? There, there are going to be wild swings in reaction uh, of this game, as there always is, as there should be. But you know, you get a yeah. hundred thousand people together, yep. and 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 give them a show they're going to come out with some pretty uh pretty strict reviews T twitter is not real life but very rarely does vol twitter actually become real life twitter a real or real life and i i agree with you because you got the history and the rivalry and how one-sided it's been the potential for the season if it goes well the potential for the season if it goes poorly it, you just bake it all in with game day and the checkerboard and the and the sub and the, the superstitions and it's just it is as perfect a dramatic week, and I'm here for all of it, no matter what happens. The, the let, let me sum up the craziness. I've had a number of people this week say, "Listen, if Hendon Hooker is is high on throwing balls on the first drive, you've got to go to Joe Milton immediately." <laughs> I've had I've had a lot of who I would call reasonable <laughs> human beings say that to me this week. They would not say that any other week, but it's hey guys, you, we got a shot here, and Joe Milton has been phenomenal against. Ball State and Akron. So if Hendon Hooker is going to throw two high passes in the first series, you, you you know you don't waste time. Figure it out next week. But you got to go Joe Milton immediately. That's that's how that's how the craziness sets in this week. So let's go to the guy who's never thrown an accurate pass his entire career. <laughs> let's let's go to that except guy. against Akron and Ball State. Yeah, the one the one the one throw. Um. Oh man, Adam, I I'm, I'm genuinely jealous of you being in Knoxville for Saturday. I am not jealous of what happens at your household should something bad happen at Neyland Stadium, uh, but you'll make it through. She'll make it through. Everyone's going to be okay. Enjoy the ride. It's going to be great. Thanks for joining us. We do appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. All right. Good deal. That was Adam Sparks of the Knoxville News Sentinel, and I think the big things there, Aaron, to remember, keep Anthony Richardson in the pocket and run the football on offense. And if you can do those two things – Exercise some demons. Keep your headspace clean and clear and focused. Yep. And I think Tennessee should win the football game against the Florida Gators, but those are famous last words. So yeah, they are. Well, hope I hope that for all of the well for Knoxville's safety, according to you, and then for all the Vols fans out there, that this is the year. We I never thought I'd see that, but I got a little brother that went to Tennessee, and I'm become really soft about them. Oh my and god, I you have it. you have become soft. I hate it. Soft, S A W F T. Soft. Plus, you get you, you hit the, you hit the over. The alma mater's got three wins. You're feeling good already. So I know. Like, I think I've let that, I loosened up a little bit. <laughs> the the AJ Swan era has begun. It's time I to mean, roll. Let's not roll. call anything an era when it comes to Vanderbilt, please. But so you got Florida winning, and you got Arkansas winning. Or no, you got I, Tennessee winning. I was like, and, no. Sorry, sorry. You got Tennessee winning, and you've got Arkansas winning in the two I big do. games this weekend. Yep. Does Missouri upset Auburn and end Brian Harson's coaching career in the SEC? No, but I don't think it's going to be pretty. I think Auburn will pull it off, but I think it's going to be ugly. All I don't right, know well, why I think they'll pull it off. I mean, I really don't have a lot of grounds to stand on saying that. I just feel sometimes they pull shit out of their ass when you're not expecting yeah. them to. Well, they're um, a better they're a better football team than Missouri, so there's well, that. It is, I, it's it's not going to be a like no, it is not going to be an exemplary or it will not be an example of what proper and clean collegiate football looks like <laughs> proper and clean and collegiate football um there you have it so go listen not a huge week in the sec but two or three huge games let's just put brian harson out of his misery all right let's just do that 
Go ahead, Eli. Eli, get you a W and go ahead and end this whole thing. Uh, check out the YouTube page as well. Turn on all the notifications, please. Subscribe. Watch for Relevant. Share yep. the show with somebody. We're growing. We know there's new people listening and watching, so we love you guys. So please share the product. Again, check us out on Fridays. Every single game in the SEC picked against the spread. Also on the YouTube page a day early, so make sure you check that out. Uh, otherwise, that about does it for us. Enjoy the week. Have a great week four. It's already like a third of the way through the season, folks. So make sure you take some time. That. Take some time to enjoy it. Touch some grass. Be present. Choose joy. All those great things. For Aaron, where can people find you? The Aaron Dugan on Twitter and Aaron underscore Dugan on Instagram. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Thanks to Adam Sparks for hanging out with us. Thanks for all you for listening. Have a great weekend. This has been Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. Good luck, Knoxville. <laughs>